this week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk all about Rubrik and NetApp backup solution. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipok. Zipok. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today I have several people to talk to us about Rubrik as well as the integration with NetApp. So uh, to start off with, let's start with our NetApp guy. Uh, Chris Mano is here today. So Chris, what do you do here at NetApp and how do I reach you? Hey, thank you, Justin. So uh, I've been here going on close to 16 years. I lead the solutions architects around data protection for the Americas. And I've been uh, involved with Rubrik for closing in on over two years now. Yeah, how you could get me. It's uh, Mano, M-A-I-N-O at netapp.com. All right, excellent. Thanks so much, Chris. Uh, Also with us today, we have some guests from Rubrik. So first of all, we have Ben Kendall here. So Ben, what do you do at Rubrik and how do we reach you? Yeah, thanks, Justin. So again, Ben Kendall, that's K-E-N-D-A-L-L. I'm a technical manager uh, in Rubrik's Alliance Partner Solutions team here. Covering primarily North America. That's kind of a counterpart to my friend here, PF, to some extent. And you can reach me at ben.kendall at rubric.com or on LinkedIn. Don't really do much on the Twitters. All right, excellent. And as as alluded to, uh, PF is here. So PF, Googlielmi. Googlielmi? Googlielmi. Yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. It's PF. But it's PF, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, it is PF. I just I like to get last name right. I like to make sure I pronounce things correctly. It's sign of and, respect. And it was actually perfectly pronounced. Well, so, uh, good. That's good. Yeah. So, so, so PF, PF uh, what do you do yeah. here at uh, at where do you do there at Rubric? Yeah, so I'm I'm the uh, the field CTO dedicated to alliances for the EMEA region with Rubric. Um, I've been with Rubric for three years, and I've actually been working on the. Uh, partnership with NetApp for close to two years now. And and you can reach me either on Twitter and the Twitter handle is at pfguglielmi or, and probably easier by email at pf at rubric.com. All right. Excellent. So, uh, you know, as I said, we're going to talk about Rubric here and the integration with NetApp. But you know, before we do that, if you're not familiar with what Rubric is, um, let's kind of cover what that is. So uh, since Ben is is the expert uh, at Rubrik, uh, we're going to make him cover what Rubrik is, the overview. I love it. Thanks for the opportunity, Justin. Yeah, so I say essentially what Rubrik does, what we are, we're a data management and protection company. And we cover, you know, on-premises, cloud, uh, whether that be to the cloud or in the cloud or across the clouds, uh, company. So we're all about data protection and data management. And I guess you could say we cover, you know, everything in your data fabric. I don't know if that gets, uh, that, that warrants a bell. <laughs> uh, but also, of course, we do it all from a single pane of glass. I'm just baiting you here, Justin. Oh my gosh. Um, I gotta, I gotta start getting yeah. the, the sound effects back out. You know, it's funny. I updated the Mac, <laughs> and the soundboard doesn't work anymore. The app, so I, the sound effects have been effectively retired. I'll add yeah, them in post. I, I was thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I figured uh, you picked on PF a little bit last time. I, I give you an I opportunity. Did, I, did. <laughs> I like to pick on people here, but yeah, the, the, the Mac update has reduced my ability to do that. So yeah. I think along the lines, too, of what Rubrik is and what we do, it kind of begs to talk a little bit about the why, like why do we exist? So if I think back to 
Uh, I'm going to kind of date myself here, but my, my start in my tech career, looking around the 2004 timeframe, I was at a VAR and had a very senior coworker I was working on a big project with, and we were trying to implement data protection as part of a big migration plan for a customer. And we're just beating our heads on the desk, having all kinds of problems. And he looks at me and just basically says, you know, Ben, you're going to learn from me today. If not from this project, there's only two kinds of backup software, bad and worse, right? <laughs> and I thought, well, that's a very cynical sort of outlook, you know, I'm pretty pretty junior guy, but this, of course, I mean, this is this is before the cloud was a thing people were talking about, right? Virtualization was in its early days. You know, a lot of the backup infrastructure and products that were out there are still what we think of as very sort of a legacy, lots of backing up directly to tape, and that's all you got, maybe maybe two tapes, <laughs> one off-site. It was not uncommon, and it was just architecturally, there's so many complicated nuts and bolts to fit together and things to keep up to date and things to understand. And then, of course, you know, you flash forward not too far and some cool stuff came along. Else, you know, we can back up to disk. Well, that's great, but we're kind of just bolting that onto the existing backup infrastructure. You know, um, virtualization, of course, blew up and people started thinking, well, man, instead of running, you know, agents and sucking data out from inside my operating system, maybe I can back up the VM as like a, an image, right? That's kind of cool. Stuff started coming along to try to help those existing legacy architectures work with that a little bit, but you know, that really didn't scale very well, it continued to be a headache, I think, for a lot of customers. And that's kind of where Rubrik came along and said, you know, not only can we fix a lot of that sort of, you know, operational complexity, architectural complexity, there's an opportunity there. But there's this thing called the cloud that's sort of blowing up and the economies of storing data, especially longer term retention, and the simplicity of that, you know, getting away from tape, there's a lot of opportunity there. All right. And so I think that's kind of what really that's the onus for Rubrik's existence. That's the why. Uh, and we can, of course, get into all of the the nuanced reasons, features, and benefits. But so, so PF, probably enough our, on that subject. PF, how did our expert do? <laughs> that, that was actually a very good introduction. Who uh, was? For sure. You passed. Hey, hey, ben, hey, you passed. Hey, hey, Justin, I just want to know, Ben, you had fancy customers that actually sent tapes off site and not just bottom drawers within a desk. I mean, you had those really, you know, customers wow. with deep pockets. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I'll be honest. I was I was at a var. We were reselling Iron Mountain services, right? <laughs> Hooking them up, get that stuff offsite. Does it count as offsite if you just throw the tapes out the window? <laughs> Probably. Reels might not line up with the heads afterwards, but that's yeah. fine. <laughs> so, um, I, I understand there was a recent announcement with Rubrik and NetApp, and it's kind of like this whole theme of NetApp and Rubrik better together. Um, so. Chris and, and PF, if you guys could kind of you know bounce off of each other, what that means and what that announcement was. Yeah, sure. Um, so the the announcement was actually, I think we had the press release like a couple of weeks ago, something like that. Yep, yep. And and so the idea is that you know to to simplify the entire process of you know purchasing Rubrik and and making sure that Rubrik will protect the data fabric of our mutual customers. Um, some of the uh, rubric SKUs, so product references, are going to be added to, to your uh, global price list or your GPL, and that will go live on the 17th of May, so just in a few days now. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so like I said, the idea is really to, to streamline uh, the projects, the data protection projects with, with NetApp and Rubric. Yeah, PF, uh, PF, like it was great. So that I think formalized our relationship, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we've been working with each other a while now, um, and I've and I've been here again, close to sixteen years. I see a lot of relationships, 
The field-to-field relationship between the two companies has been remarkable. It really, it really has. The, the, the two teams just get along with each other. We haven't seen a lot of conflicts between the sales team. Rubric actually lets us know about you know, potential opportunities for storage grid in our environment. So yeah, the announcement was really just a formalization, right? Where we can enable the sales teams to sell you know, Rubric uh, you know, appliances, right? And some of their software right now. Yeah, it kind of streamlines the whole process and makes it simpler. And that's really what, you know, customers and the field are asking for is the simplicity aspect to, you know, bundling these things up together. Exactly. Yeah. So beyond the whole sales cycle and, you know, being able to buy it easier, what sort of problems does Rubrik solve for backup difficulties? What is it about Rubrik that makes people want to use it for their backup and restore needs? One of the cornerstones is that whole idea of simplicity and operational efficiency. So taken away all of the human hours that previously would have to be spent just to coordinate backup schedules and maintain siloed components, et cetera. So with Rubrik, you can basically just kind of drop it in, super simple setup. Uh, we protect everything with what we call SLA domain, so policy-driven, right? You know, what sort of SLAs do we need to meet for your business units? Let's protect the applications that support those business units in, in a way that kind of you know, meets those needs. And then, you know, again, as I mentioned before, it's a kind of all uh, orchestrated or managed through a single interface. We don't have lots of siloed components for you to have to go log. You know, if you want to restore a file, do you go here, a virtual machine, you go there. No, it's all in one place, right? You know, another sort of cornerstone of Rubrik that helps solve problems is the, I guess we could call it a web scale design, right? So it's just a, ma- a massively, infinitely scalable cluster. So again, as you need to grow, data certainly isn't shrinking. The digitization of, of the workplace of, of businesses is not slowing down anytime soon, right? So being able to scale your data protection and get full visibility, jump into one spot and do a global search. You want a database, search for it by name. You want a virtual machine, search for it by name. You want a file inside that virtual machine, search for it by name. Again, tying back to the simplicity. And then again, I think, you know, kind of going back to what I was talking about before, backup software being bad and worse, you know, legacy architectures. Back then as well, they were really just thought of as sort of a necessary evil, right? Folks would be leaning on backups really just for, oh my gosh, somebody deleted a file or for some reason a LUN got corrupted, a you know, bad fiber channel transceiver or something, or an application got, you know, upgrade, corrupted a database. And there wasn't really any additional value being gained out of it, right? You just got this extra copy of data and you're spending all this time managing the creation of those copies and cataloging it and hopefully being able to restore it, but you're not really getting anything extra out of it. And, you know, that's another area that Rubrik comes in and really brings a lot of, let's, let's say, value to that data protection story. And we do that in a few ways. So one of the really easy ones is we offer features for databases and virtual machines around live mount, right? So that can be great for dev test. You want to test an upgrade. You want to spin up a test environment. And also we can actually do the same thing if you're archiving to cloud with us, if you're archiving out your virtual machines to cloud, um, we can actually convert those uh, VMs into cloud native instances. So EC2 or Azure and spin them up, right? So you can do dev test in the cloud, DR in the cloud. And then even kind of cooler, which is really tying in more to the modern story these days, everybody's terrified of ransomware. That wasn't something we were thinking about so much when I got started in this business, but it sure is today. And the core architecture uh, for Rubrik is immutable and it's a zero trust design, right? So just absolutely, uh, we would say impervious to ransomware. Uh, And, you know, that's kind of one of the first areas that we've seen over the last number of years that a lot of bad actors will target first, right? They're going to go to your data protection platform and they're going to try to delete data or, 
encrypt data there first, then attack production, you know, then your host, right? So that's definitely kind of a core cornerstone to the product, making sure that it, that last line of defense is absolutely safe. And then on top of all of that, and this is getting long-winded, I apologize, but we, we add some more value around uh, our rich metadata and index. So we have uh, applications called uh, radar and sonar, and radar can basically tell you if you have anomalous behavior in your environment. And not just based on change rate, but we actually leverage uh, machine learning algorithms to kind of dig in beyond change rate and look at what's happening to the files. Do we see file extensions being changed? Does it look like an encryption? And then we can kind of bubble that up for you and make it really easy with a couple of clicks to just restore, for example, maybe one directory tree that got encrypted or a whole server or anything in between. And then last but not least, Sonar that I mentioned briefly. So we can also take, again, that existing rich index that we have from for protecting all of your data, and we can scan that for uh, data that would basically put your organization out of compliance with whatever government regulations might apply. So it's going to scan for things like personally identifiable information, you know, maybe plain text, uh, social security numbers or credit card numbers, that kind of thing, and make it really easy for you to kind of get a handle on that in your environment. So that, I think it kind of goes back to, to the to the why rubric part of the original vision was you know, what better place to add value rather than thinking of it as just a necessary evil that's costing money, what better place to add value than the platform where you are ingesting and protecting all of an organization's data, right? It's a great place to get visibility into it. So Chris, you, you know, coming from a NetApp perspective and, and from a long time of being in the backup industry, um, what sort of problems do you see rubric solving when trying to back up from a NetApp system. And, and the NetApp, when I say NetApp system, I don't mean just ONTAP. I mean anything in the NetApp portfolio. Sure, sure, sure. So, um, you know, as, as Ben was talking about, you know, I, I, what we've been seeing in the field, right, been, like you said, Justin, been doing this a while. And, you know, historically, changing of backup products was like the last thing people wanted to do, right? I mean, you, you go in and talk to somebody about it, you know, they didn't even want to talk about it. Um, I've been seeing the trend over the past couple of years of people looking for a better way, right? They have, it's been a problem. They've just been dealing with it, throwing headcount at it, you know, to manage the backup environments. So that was the big thing I think Rubrik really is, has hit on is, you know, just making, you know, solving a problem that's been there, gosh, right? Since I've been doing it, right? Which, which is a long time. Um, the, the thing that Rubrik helps us with in our environment Specific one specifically around ONTAP, right, is their ability to take our larger environments and basically be able to use our API, that APIs that we've offered up to them and be able to do incremental changes on a NetApp environment in a, in a rapid fashion, right? So, um, you know, PF and, and Ben are going to laugh when I say this, right? But, you know, they've actually brought the term SnapDiff into the limelight. Right, you know, SnapDiff our API set to be able to do block level, uh, not even file changes. Comparing snapshots, right, was never really meant to be brought into the forefront. Um, it's existed in our system for a while now. Um, you know, with version one and version two, um, we we'll get and we're getting ready. You know, we've already announced what we call version three of SnapDiff, but they've integrated with SnapDiff to take on some of the larger NAS, NetApp, NAS environments and basically cut down the, the, you know, the processing time. We, you know, we had always said that SnapDiff could cut it down by 40%. Well, Rubrik is seeing that and more now, right? So one of the issues we have with NetApp, I mean, Justin, you know, this is, well, you know, our, some of our customers artificially limit our environments, right? Because they actually artificially limit the size of them 
based upon what they can actually still protect, right? Using an outside data protection product, right? And historically, they were doing that using, you know, NDMP triggered dump, right? That, that's how they were protecting NetApp environments, right? If they had that need to take that data off of NetApp equipment, right? And put it onto something like tape or, you know, disk at an offsite location, right? That was non-NetApp. Um, now, Rubrik, Rubrik has never supported NDMP and dump, right? They, they, don't, they didn't believe in that. They believed in, there was a better way in doing it. Uh, with that, they also believe that um, by not doing it that way, they support portability between NAS platforms, right? So one of the questions that I always get hit up with, oh, using NDMP between you know, another vendor and NetApp, uh, can we just transfer the data between the two since it's both using NDMP? No. NDMP is just the communications protocol, right? On the, on the underlying data transfer mechanism was dumb, right? So Rubrik, by using integrating with SnapDiff and backing up basically NAS shares on NetApp devices, have been able to cut down on the amount of time in the backup window that it takes to back up these NetApp environments. Again, allowing the NetApp environment to grow bigger and larger and see benefits behind, you know, even using, you know, aggregate level deduplication because of that. Right now, being able to grow larger aggregates, larger volumes, um, so that that's the big benefit that we see. And you know, data on other NetApp platforms, right? Like whether we, you know we're talking SolidFire, um, Rubrik actually just would support that natively, right? They would actually just support you know if it's a block device, support it as a block device where you know the VMs would live, and they look at it from an application level, right? Like well, application being virtualization, right? And they look at it from that point of view. So, so you, um, you mentioned SnapDiff earlier, and you know I kind of want to dig into that a little bit more. Um, so, what specific versions of SnapDiff does Rubrik support today? Is it you know the earlier versions? Is it the latest version? So, uh, currently we, we do support version one and two, and and the you know it's not something that that customers can really configure. It's it's totally automatic, which is which is good because it's simple. And depending, you know, on what's available on the version of ONTAP and, and things like that, we either use V2 if it's available because it's faster. Otherwise, we, we just use V1. And of course, I think that we all know there is a newer version that is V3 uh, that we do not currently support or not yet, I should say, because it's coming. Um, and, and that's actually... It's not only just a new version of the SnapDiff API, it's much more than that. It, it, it's actually gonna change the way that we protect uh, a NetApp NAS environment. Can you go into a little more detail about how, how that's gonna Yeah, absolutely. How it's gonna change it? Of course, yeah, sure. Uh, the thing is, you know, when you think about SnapDiff V3, like I said, it's, it's not just a new version of, of, SnapDiff, of SnapDiff, sorry, it's, it's a combination of the SnapDiff that we know and use with another API, which is the SnapMirror Cloud API. And so, you know, with SnapDiff v1 and v2, what we do is that, just like Chris described, we, um, you know, we trigger an ONTAP snapshot so that, you know, the SnapDiff API can then compare the differences at the file system level between two block level ONTAP snapshots so that we don't have to scan for you know, the changes, so we save a lot of time. So that, that still exists with SnapDiv v3. But then, you know, the second phase after that first scan phase would be to fetch the data. So that would be, the, the let's say, the bulk of the backup task. So to retrieve the data from the source to Rubrik. 
And with SnapDV3, this phase won't exist anymore. The way that it would work is that Rubrik will, will then become the control plane and will orchestrate the data movement that will be executed at the NetApp level. And the way that it works is that the, the, the newest snapshot that have been triggered at the beginning of the backup task will actually be replicated with the Snap, uh, the Snap Mirror Cloud API to the, to the configured um, object store, target object store, whether it's on-premises or in the cloud. So it's, it's really different. Of course, we will still index everything just like what we've always done, just like what uh, Ben described earlier. So we will index the differences, we will index the changes, so we will still bring you know that uh, global index and, and, and instant search capabilities and granular file recoveries, but we won't handle the data movement. It will only remain at the NetApp level. Okay. And you mentioned that you, you currently only support one and two, right? So, so three is kind of something that's on your roadmap there. Yeah, but, but short-term roadmap. <laughs> it's being developed uh, as we speak. Excellent. Hey, Justin, could yeah. I, I, I wanted to throw something out there, right? So yeah, V3 is coming. And like PF said, it's going to be a short term. Um, but I don't know if one of them might want to talk about what's here today and one of the changes that they've actually made to support SnapDiff with SnapMirror. I, I mean, I think that that's something that's really exciting that maybe a lot of people aren't aware of. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, I was actually just about to jump in before you beat me to it. So, <laughs> so uh, we actually, in March, we released uh, RCDM. So that's Rubrik Cloud Data Management version 531. And with that, we enhanced our API integration, as Chris just indicated. So we now actually support native uh, recognition, if you will, and data protection from a SnapMirror replica. So basically, we can add that secondary array that has the replica snapshots as a NAS host, and we can auto-discover all of the shares on there. And it'll recognize that they're SnapMirror replicas and let us actually choose from which snapshot labels we wish to protect for both full and incremental. We are generally speaking 100% you know, incremental forever, but that first full, if it's a really, really, really large unstructured data set, right, it can be important to, to tell, basically to leverage a specific snapshot so that it doesn't expire out before we're done getting that first full, right? And then subsequently we can tell it what, what labels, what maybe daily snapshot, if you will, we wish to do incrementals from. So given that um, Rubrik supports SnapDiff 2.0, does it support things like flex root volumes, which also support SnapDiff 2.0? Yes. Yep. All right, cool. Near and dear to Justin. I, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know why I asked that. So you know, given that, I mean, what sort of scale are we looking at for file count? I mean, how, how many files can Rubrik handle before it starts to you know see performance issues? Yes. <laughs> yes. So actually, part of the architecture is, you know, I mentioned this sort of approach early on to wanting to be able to deal with scale. And it, it gets to becoming, a, there's a sizing exercise at some point, to be totally honest about it, right? But with Rubrik, we can scale out in parallel as much as we need to. So the answer is we don't really have a hard limit for you. Mm -hmm. um, we might, depending on what sort of performance you want to get for incremental ingest, depending on your change rate, need X number more of members in a cluster, right? But it's a sizing exercise. So I, I noticed there, you know, we Rubrik can also provide some scalable parallel ingest for backup performance. Can you go into a little more detail about how that works and, you know, how it compares to other backup solutions out there? 
essentially, uh, what we have in a in an RCDM cluster on premises, you're going to have at least one, probably if, if we're talking on premises data protection, one physical appliance with four nodes, and we can add more, right? So each one of those appliances is going to add, generally speaking, four more nodes. When we go to do a NAS protection job, so we have an SLA domain that's attached to what we call a file set, defines which files we want to protect, and it's going to go and trigger data protection on, a let's just say, an NFS share. It's going to look at the amount of data that it has to protect, which again, full versus incremental, there's nuances there. It's then going to break that up into what we call partitions. And so basically each node is going to ingest up to, for that fetch phase that PF mentioned, up to about 200 gigabytes of data. And so imagine again, if your, your cluster is scaling out, you know, you could have 16 nodes each doing 200 gigabytes at a time or whatever. And then basically at that point, we also have flexibility around in terms of storage, do we want to actually have capacity in rubric, so in that cluster, to store the data that we're protecting, or do we just want to store the metadata? So we have a feature that we call NAS Direct Archive, where we can, for example, perhaps the customer has a large storage grid estate, and we can set up a bucket or multiple buckets on storage grid and add that as an archive location in our SLA domains for that NAS protection, and we can tell it that we want to do what we call a direct archive. And at that point, what will happen is that data that we're ingesting then, it's not going to store a copy of 100% of what we're protecting on rubric, okay? It's actually going to send it directly to that archive location and only store the metadata. Generally, we see somewhere around a 2 to 5% total storage capacity. So we could be protecting, you know, a petabyte of data with one small brick, technically speaking, from a capacity perspective. And that can tie into some of the performance characteristics as well, if you're doing direct archive versus storing it all locally. And even with direct archive, again, uh, kind of like we, we talked about with that forthcoming SnapDiff v3, we will be storing or we do store, again, just, just the metadata, but we develop that same rich index, same global file recovery, make that all really easy. So it's kind of transparent to the customer, and they can take advantage of that existing, for example, as I mentioned, maybe on-premises storage grid. In that global index, is that a flat file that's stored or is it a database uh, and is it stored, is it replicated across, you know, any rubric that's running in the environment? Yeah. So yeah, so that's, a, that's a good question. So that's actually stored. So uh, rubric RCM clusters effectively have a proprietary purpose built file system. We call Atlas and a related uh, metadata component. We generally refer to it as Callisto. These are just fun internal naming conventions, but all that matters really from a usability and durability perspective is it's all erasure coded, protected with erasure coding, distributed across all nodes. So there's no single point of failure. And it's bubbled up to the user in terms of usability through either user interface or through API. Rubrik is 100% API first. In fact, we oftentimes release features more often than not through API first. And the UI is actually a client of our API. So in terms of consumability, API or UI. Okay. Does that answer it? Yeah, yeah. I was just curious if it was, you know, something that was directly queryable without the UI. And it sounds like it is through APIs. Exactly. Yeah, great. Glad you got to that point. It is directly queryable, and it's not anything separate that you maintain. It's just, again, a baked-in part of that product, part of our mission of you know, simplicity, right? Yeah, Keep everything and, together. Yeah. Yeah, and the other piece of it was, you know, is it replicated? Because, you know, if you have an index of, that, of, of a, a massive size, you want it to be fast, right? You want to be able to search quickly. And keeping yes. it local yeah. to the search request is going to be useful to making that a, an achievable goal. Yeah, generally speaking, we always try to make data self-describing, 
whether that be locally in the cluster, maybe that's a primary copy, could also be an archive location. Again, that, that index is replicated to that archive. It could also be another rubric cluster. So we also support from within a single SLA domain when you're defining your desired protection scheme for applications or data sets, you define your retention settings, uh, you know, frequency and retention settings. You can, in the same SLA domain, define archival settings. So maybe, maybe you're backing up every day and keeping it for 30, but on the appliance, you only want to keep 14 days. You could be archiving the rest of that off to a target. And then you can also define replication settings. So if you have an additional RCDM cluster, you can also replicate all of that stuff, all of your applications that are being protected. And if you were to log into that other cluster or reach it via API, you actually can recover directly from it as well. So that index is there, shows up as a remote SLA domain, and it's very easy to search and recover. Yeah, that's that's actually, in my opinion, uh, very important to mention or to consider that that not only we, we have that metadata, that index that is uh, distributed across the entire cluster, um, but, but we also have multiple copies of that metadata. So like uh, Ben said, we, we have you know, like self-sufficient backups. And so we, we always keep a copy of the metadata along with that copy of the backup data, wherever it may be, whether it's on rubric, whether it's uh, in the archive location, whether it's replicated to another rubric cluster for DR purposes. We, we, we do that to make sure that we always have a copy or <laughs> multiple copies of, of, of the metadata and always one copy of the metadata that is along with the backup data itself. So I understand this works with, you know, things like flex root volumes and, you know, that comes back to the scale, um, you know, with the large number of files, high file count environments so that, that index can help greatly there because we don't want to crawl through millions of files if we can avoid it. Does it work with anything else in the NetApp portfolio aside from ONTAP though? Yeah, I actually, I'll, I'll start with that one because that's actually been one of the conversations we've been having for a while now. Fabric pools, right? So, you know, one of the big concerns around fabric pools was, especially when 9.7 hit, was mm -hmm. how, how are these companies that aren't using NDMP going to react, right? Like, oh, you know, are they going to rewarm up all of our data? So rubric is perfect, right? I mean, if from on multiple fronts, right? One, it's their incremental forever, you know, philosophy, right? Um, or technology, however you want to state it, right? Is that they aren't doing these, you know, periodic folds, right? That would actually rewarm up, potentially rewarm up data. The second portion of that is because they are using SnapDiff. And if you think about the way SnapDiff works, is that they're only ever going to be getting a list of files that have changed since the previous uh, backup. Right. And those files should be in the performance tier. Right. So um, as long as you're not doing something like an all, uh, you know, an all policy on the fabric pool. Right. So they should be in the active tier and they should be protected from the, uh, the from the performance tier. Right. So they're never going to be really rewarming up any of that data that's been moved out to the cloud or the capacity tier. Along the lines of Fabric Pool, I mean, what about things like Storage Grid and E-Series? I mean, how does Rubik play with those th those particular products? I think we have pretty good use cases, especially with Storage Grid. Um, and the idea here is that not only I think that Storage Grid and, and Rubrik have the same kind of philosophy, which is you know modernizing infrastructure. And for Rubrik, it's it's the backup infrastructure uh, by you know providing this policy-based approach. So you know rather than having to deal with creating jobs and configuring them and scheduling them and, and doing all of that. Uh, it just works with the policies, the SLA domains. And on, on the storage grid side of things, it's pretty much the same. 
to secure the data further, it's it's all based on the ILM rules and policies, so the information lifecycle management policies and rules. So it's it's really, you know, when combining the two and, and leveraging storage grid as an archival location on premises to, to get the same benefits as what public cloud storage can bring, for example, for long-term um, retention. Um, customers can really get an end-to-end, I will say an end-to-end data lifecycle management um, solution. So, um, so that goes along very well. And you know, Ben was was actually describing something that we call NAS Direct Archive, which is here to help solve you know the what I call the capacity challenge. So you know, for uh, backing up very large amounts of of NAS data sets, um, and we we leverage that to avoid landing the first full backup on rubric and send that directly to the archival location. And actually, that's a great use case uh, to combine rubric with storage grid for that kind of, uh, of situation where, you know, the, the, the benefits of leveraging storage grid in such a situation will not only, of course, uh, help having a consistent approach, like I said, you know, end-to-end policy-based solution, but, but it will also um, bring that, you know, that, that simplicity and, and make sure that the TCO, the overall TCO of the solution uh, is, is taken down because, if we don't do that for backing up very large NAS environments, and we have to lend the first full backup and maybe some subsequent incremental backups on Rubrik, of course it will mean for the customers that they will need to purchase more Rubrik appliances. And from a cost efficiency perspective, it may not be the best solution. So combining with storage grid also helps reducing the TCO in, in that case. It, it, it just me, I did want to bring up a great point, right? So what PF was talking about around storage grid, one of the things I've noticed in working with Rubrik, right, because they are a modern data protection company, you know, they, they handle modernized data protection, let's put it that way, um, is that they embrace the whole, uh, the whole object store technology has been with their product since day one, right? So object store wasn't an add-on for their product, right? It was built around object store and knowing about object store technologies. Um, why I bring that up is that they went in, in interacting with rubric and talking about the, you know, supporting the, the lifecycle policies on storage grid, they, they've been open-minded about it, right? So, you know, to contrast it and compare it to some of the older technologies that are out there where they're still just trying to understand how object store fits into their product. You know, Rubrik, you know, from day one understands that, you know, that single namespace for, you know, for a grid, you know, a storage grid, let's say, for for example. And they understand that there's going to be multiple copies within the grid. There could be EC copies, mirrored copies across sites. And they understand that whole idea and concept of, hey, they deposited an object and they realize that when they do go to do the get, that they expect that, you know, that object to come back and provide the, you know, the data for restore. Um, you know, this might seem simple to everybody else out there that might be listening to this, but it's it, it hasn't been accepted from some of the older uh, data protection technologies that are out there uh, so simply, right? Where they, again, don't really understand a modern, uh, you know, modern um, storage device like an object store, right? So that is one of the big things that I've noticed in working with Rubrik. It's refreshing since they are, again, one of the newer technologies that's out there. Just wanted to also mention that we do support things such as um, Azure NetApp Files, for example, or cloud volumes on top 
And, and I think that's quite important as well, because, you know, with the acceleration of, of cloud adoption, the, the reality now uh, that we tend to see more and more, at least, is, is that, you know, customers have their data scattered across multiple different environments. So, of course, they, they still have data centers. Some of them have edge, location, edge locations, such as, you know, remote offices and branch offices, and they've got data there, too. Um, and, and more and more of them are adopting public cloud services. And, uh, and you guys are doing a fantastic job, fantastic job in, in providing you know, solutions that will help build their own data fabric to, to make sure that they can you know, not only manage, but also move their data seamlessly uh, across this, these different types of environments. And you know, with Rubrik, not only we want to make sure that these customers can, can protect that data wherever it may be, but what's even more important is that we want to make sure that they will keep uh, the same policy-based approach, but the same user experience, no matter where the data is. So whether you know they had or they used to have applications and workloads running in the data center that have been migrated to the cloud, from a data protection standpoint, it shouldn't matter. It should remain exactly the same, both in terms of you know the processes, the how it works, the workflows, the documentation, the, uh, the or or training the IT staff or things like that. It should remain as simple if it's in the cloud as it used to be when it was in the data center. Does this tie into services such as ANF or the uh, or uh, like you know their cloud volume services with things like AWS and GCP? Yes, absolutely. So we, we do support that as well. So whether it's Azure NetApp files or CDOs, so cloud volumes on top uh, in AWS, for example. So we do support that. And we do support that with the same software that uh, Ben described extremely well. So our CDM, Rubric Cloud Data Management, that is also available in these uh, public cloud environments, so whether it's you know uh, Azure or AWS or um, GCP. So it's it's the exact same logic, uh, same uh, clustered approach, policy-based solution, same web interface, same APIs that are available as well. So it's it's the exact same software. So I understand that Rubik's got a new product coming called NAS Cloud Direct. Um, what does that entail? Like, what is it? What is the use case for it? And you know, what can it do? Sure, I'll I'll jump in on that one here. So uh, it's probably no secret many folks may be aware that in December of last year, being December 2020, Rubrik acquired some really cool technology and some really brilliant engineers, a, a company called Igneous. So Igneous is actually under the Rubrik umbrella, uh, being rebranded as NAS Cloud Direct, and we're making that product available today even. And what does NAS, NAS Cloud Direct do? Well, Justin, you, you asked earlier about that question of scale with unstructured data. So that that's what NAS Cloud Direct is all about. So it's about specifically focused on protecting, indexing, categorizing, massive, massive scale unstructured data on probably you know heterogeneous NAS systems, et cetera, spread, spread around your organization perhaps. When we say massive scale, I mean, it can scale to trillions of files, hundreds of petabytes of data, exabytes of data. And it's architecturally different from, for example, what we were just talking about with Rubrik uh, NASDA in some ways. And we'll kind of get into the architecture a little bit as we go. 
Uh, and that'll kind of help maybe explain some of why it can make sense where sometimes uh, NASDA is a great fit and NAS Cloud Direct is, is an even better fit. We'll kind of get into that. But to give you some kind of numbers, so when we talk about massive, massive scale, the way the system works a little bit like NASDA, where there's the scan, uh, fetch, copy process, there's a scan, move index, kind of uh, just, you know, from a sort of conceptual model, scan, move index, and we can scan, we have in testing scanned uh, over a billion objects per hour. And we've moved, been able to move uh, over a petabyte of data in a week. In, the, in that particular case, it was a customer going to GCP and they had a um, dedicated 40 gig pipe, which we were able to saturate. So kind of unheard of scan and you know data copy, data move, performance numbers there, right? And we can maintain an index uh, just in testing. We've already gone up to 100 billion objects with no problem, but there's no real limit to that. And so, you know, some of how we do that is where it gets sort of neat. If you're, you know, a propeller head like myself, um, the first part is, again, it's around protecting unstructured data. We're talking specifically NFS and SMB shares. We have a custom written client for both of those. And it basically, it doesn't even do a mount. So instead of a mount, it's basically just doing a remote procedure call. What that literally results in is the same type of operations for scan and move that maybe for a traditional Linux NFS mount, what will take about 75% fewer IOs uh, with NAS Cloud Direct. So we're actually just creating less work. And then it's super, super parallel. So much like RCDM, it's parallel scale out, but it's also very, very intelligent and does some dynamic work allocation stuff. So if it has a thread that's maybe walking a tree and ingesting data, copying that over to the target, and it, it gets bored, runs out of work to do, it just automatically gets handed a portion of another directory tree that's being walked or copied. And then one of the really cool things is that you know, because of the way that works, it kind of creates no bottleneck, no theoretical bottleneck within the NAS Cloud Direct architecture itself. We can scale it out, which again, we'll talk about the architecture in a minute. It kind of makes the source the bottleneck, but it does it in a friendly way, meaning it won't tip over your source array, right? It's not just going to suck all of the bandwidth the can out of it until it tips over. It does automatic latency monitoring. So it plays nice, waits for that system maybe to be, you know, servicing less production workloads and scales up. And when it starts to get busy, it scales itself back down. And that whole process, again, kind of plays into both conceptually the scan and move, and it does those things simultaneously. So it's not picking up a chunk of data, then moving it, picking up a chunk. It's kind of scanning, moving simultaneously across the board using all those same tricks that I just mentioned. And supports API integrations. So we can get, instead of, for example, during your first full in particular, if you were just treating a NAS as sort of what's called a generic NAS, and you're just reading data, you're just walking the tree and reading it and copying the data, you're going to get kind of a, a schmear in time, if you will, right? So we don't have a specific point in time that we're protecting data from. So if we take advantage of NAS Cloud Direct's API integrations, uh, including, of course, for NetApp, we can take a snapshot, get that, you know, uh, constant point in time, consistent point in time, which helps us cover things like open files. Uh, and it also helps us cover things like if, God forbid, ransomware comes along after backup has started, but before it's completed, we'll still have a healthy point in time in that, in that protected data set. And of course, table stakes, it's incremental forever backup, truly incremental forever backup. Now, briefly getting into the index, I mentioned it scales to hundreds of billions, trillions of objects. That index, part of how we handle that scale is, and we're getting into the architecture a little bit here, that actually runs in rubric cloud. So there's no on-premises component that manages the index, meaning it doesn't take any of the metadata, build any index, do any cataloging. There's no processing. There's no data storage, nothing on-premises for that. It's all done in the cloud, which allows us to scale it out, make it a very, very parallel process. 
And because of the way the architecture is designed, we can, we can scale that out with no limit. That's part of the magic there. And then one of the really cool features we have is something called Data Discover. And Data Discover is going to take all that metadata, all the, all the files we're protecting across all of your different NAS systems, all that unstructured data. And it's going to bring that into one UI, which categorizes by things like date modified, date accessed, et cetera. So it makes it very easy operationally for you to go and maybe find that two petabytes of data that hasn't been touched in three years and shoot that off to an archive location, which can be any NFS or S3 compatible target with whatever retention settings you want, and then potentially go free up that space on your NAS. And much like our CDM that we, that we know and love, it's super fast and easy recovery. Shouldn't talk about data protection without recovery, right? And it's a global, global kind of predictive search. One of the cool extras with the global predictive search is that it actually also allows uh, sort of combination search. So you can do not just, for example, a file name, but maybe you know a file name, an owner, and you know the NAS that it was on or something like that. And so when we're talking again about potentially trillions of files, that makes it way more efficient, right? Because you throw in a file name, you might see 500 instances of it or something. Um, anyway, so then kind of getting to the architecture, I'm getting long-winded here, I know. Basically, all it is from an on-premises perspective is a virtual appliance. So it's a, it's a VM and it can run on you know, the, the standard uh, hypervisors of choice, uh, vSphere, Hyper-V, KVM. And we can scale it out. So it's a minimum of a single VM, but we can scale it out if we need that for, you know, throughput, scan, scan, uh, scale out for scans, et cetera. And it's completely stateless. So if for some reason that VM got deleted by rogue admin or accident, we can easily redeploy it. You don't lose any of your index. You don't lose any of your data. You don't lose any of your rich search or anything because that's all again stored in the rubric cloud. So the control plane, metadata index, that's all stored in the cloud. And then that virtual appliance is going to be uh, the mover of data and the mover of metadata. So it's going to be sending that metadata up to us in the cloud, and it's going to be moving the data to customer's choice, right? And that could be on-premises, NFS, or S3. It could be a nice big storage grid state, or it could be cloud. You know, it could be AWS, Azure, Google, what have you. And if you want, a cool feature baked in there, too, is that you can actually archive to multiple locations at once. So you can take one protection policy, works much like Rubrics SLAs, it's policy-based. And you can say, hey, I want to archive maybe on-premises here, and I want to have X amount of retention, you know, X frequency, but out to the cloud, I maybe want to keep that longer term, et cetera. You can do that from one protection policy really easily. With the ransomware piece, do you provide detection or is this, you know, remediation or is it both or neither? Like, how, how does that all function within the rubric environment? So with NAS Cloud Direct specifically today, there is not a built-in detection mechanism for that ransomware. Um, when I was alluding to that, it was only around if we take that snapshot using API, we at least get that consistent point in time. So if it came along after and we're still in the process of <laughs> copying over that five petabytes of data or what have you, um, we'll still be okay. Okay, so basically you'd want to still rely on maybe a third-party ransomware detection product to kind of make sure that, you know, you know if something is different in the files so that you don't keep backing up the same ransomware. That's a fair statement well, with NASCloud Direct in particular. And what about the on-prem version? I mean, do we have, you, do you have ransomware detection built into that or is that another thing that, you know, you're, you're currently kind of scoping out for future releases? Took the words out of my mouth. So, yeah, so with, um, let's just call it traditional rubric cloud data management, when you're protecting 
uh, anything that, that includes files, essentially. So that could be backing up a VM where we take the image level backup of a VM, for example, but we automatically index the contents of it so we, we know what files are in it, uh, as well as, for example, unstructured data protection. So all of that is ingested. Of course, we're building a rich index out of that metadata. And we leverage an application we call uh, Radar that uh, it technically runs in our software as a service platform called Polaris. And Radar is going to leverage that rich metadata. It's going to leverage machine learning al algorithms and compare not just change rates, but also looking at things like the file extensions, whether or not um, you know the, the type of entropy we saw in the file looks kind of like the fingerprint we would see with encryption, et cetera. And then it does bubble that up. And with a couple of clicks, you can say, oh, there's an anomaly, click here. Okay, what kind of anomaly? It looks like this folder was encrypted. Would you like to recover the folder? Click here and voila, recover your data. All right, Chris, PF, and Ben, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, ben, if we wanted to find more information about what we've talked about here with, with Rubrik today, where do we find that information? Well, it almost feels like cheating, but the easy answer is go to www.rubrik.com, rubrik.com. And also, by the time you all are listening to this, I encourage you to check out forward.rubrik.com as well for some exciting announcements mid-May. All right. And PF, do you have anywhere that you'd like to send people? No, actually, the the, the rubric.com website is definitely the place to go. Uh, there is a lot of things to to discover here, like you know, resources, white papers, and and documentation, and, and, and things like that. But there is also a blog. There's the rubric blog on the same web, website. Um, and speaking of you know conferences and things like that, we recently did. Uh, a very nice global conference with NetApp, which was called the Data Protection Summit. It's available on demand, and I really highly recommend uh, watching the sessions on demand. There was a very nice fireside chat with both our CEOs, so people Sinha and uh, George Curian. Um, so that's that's a, a pretty good resource as well. All right, and Chris, and if I can jump in, I'll go ahead, Ben. If I can jump in latently, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention build.rubric.com as well. For any of the folks listening who are excited about APIs, SDKs, and integration, a lot of good content actively developed and maintained out there. Build.rubric.com. All right. And uh, Chris, anywhere you want to send people? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, the normal ones, right? NetApp.com and uh, cloud.netapp.com, right? To get a good handle on uh, our cloud offerings. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you'd like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Chris Mano, Ben Kendall, and P.F. Guglielmi for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.